May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. One day, a famous scientist was absorbed at home reading a book. His six-year-old son was sitting just behind him, eating an apple. Suddenly, the boy poked his father in the shoulder and said, Dad, why's my apple turned brown? His father, still deeply absorbed in the book, casually replied, When the skin is removed from the apple, the air reaches the flesh of the apple and causes oxidation. This changes the apple's molecular structure and it turns rather brown. The boy thought about this for a moment and said, Dad, are you talking to me? (laughs) There are times when the meaning of the universe seems shrouded in mystery. And all too often, those of us who are supposed to know something of the truth often make it worse. We speak in the unknown tongues of obscure scientific jargon. It's even been known that in church we may utter some spiritual gobbledygook that people who may be visitors or newcomers may not just understand a word we're talking about. And among the many things we can celebrate and learn on Pentecost, it seems, is that it was God's desire, God's desire, that all people should have the opportunity to understand the truth about Jesus Christ in their own language. Not only in their own language, but in words they can understand. And that this truth should be told in as plain and as simple language as possible. The message of Pentecost, I think, is clear. The Spirit of God is clearly and completely democratic, unmerited and inclusive. Our task is to find the good. Our task is to find the truth. Our task is to find the beautiful in everything and in all things. Even and most especially in the problematical stuff. The bad is never strong enough to counteract the good. Once we know we have such a strong and loving soul, once we know that we have such a strong and loving spirit inside us, we are no longer pulled to and fro with every passing whim or fad or phase. Divine incarnation took the form of an indwelling spirit, in every human soul. And Pentecost became the clear demonstration of this. Franciscans, and I myself am a Franciscan, along with the Pope, of course, would go even further and say that surely, surely, all creatures, including your dog there, in some rudimentary way, have this infilling of the Spirit. 
angels, animals, trees, water, and yes, bread and wine, seem to fully accept and enjoy their fate. Only us humans, only us humans seem to resist and deny our core identities. But the only way we ourselves can refuse to jump onto the train of life is by any negative game of exclusion, of non-loving. And of course, that includes ourselves. When we read the gospel text carefully, we see that the only people Jesus seems to exclude are those who exclude others. Exclusion, and I say this not lightly, exclusion might even be described as the core sin. We need to stop wasting our time rejecting. We need to stop wasting our time excluding, eliminating, or punishing anyone or anything else. Everything belongs, including us, as we see at Pentecost. No matter what your language is, no matter what your race is, no matter what your status is, no matter what your gender is, no matter what your sexuality is, no matter where your place is in the food chain of humanity, it is God's desire that everyone, everyone, be included in the church of Jesus Christ. So there's no point in us, even when we're talking to others, speaking words that people cannot understand. Because that in itself is excluding. In a sense, though, that we too also need to learn another language. We do need to be able to talk to people in words that they can understand. In ways that enable them to engage with us. In ways that enable them to feel included in what we're doing in ways that do not patronise, in ways that do not put down or judge, in ways that enable them to grow, to be part of, to belong, to be valued. Could it be that part of the challenge of this message of Pentecost is this? Do people know the things that are going on? That the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing here, even in this service? Do people know that our congregations, do they see our congregations wherever we are? Do they see us as transforming centres for their community? Do our communities know that the Holy Spirit is already already working among them. Our role is not to bring them the Holy Spirit, but to with them, go with them, and together to discover where the Spirit is already working. If we could do this, if we could do this, how might our communities 
respond to God's call. I think it can become too easy and rather convenient for us to dismiss the story of Pentecost as a one-time, one-off thing 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit came in the rush of a wind and tongues of flame. Thousands of people were converted and the church was born. The book of Acts is a strong testimony to the filling of the Holy Spirit as an ongoing gift. We know that we need the power of the Spirit. We know that nothing can change this world except a power greater than anything that the world contains. And the thing is, the church, you and me, wherever we are as the church community, need to constantly present opportunities for the Spirit to break through, to be made evident wherever we are, wherever we operate, to give opportunities for the Spirit to engage in our communities and where we are. Otherwise, if we can't do that, our voice will be just lost in the noise of the world. Pentecost challenges us. Pentecost even dares us to live in the promise that Christ is always present, that Christ is always alive and at work in the world. And what we need to do is to work with him, to share with him, and to share with others. Amen.